Hello, folks. My name is Spencer George, and you're listening to the Good Folk Podcast. Today, let me introduce you to the incredible Trey Charles, who you can also catch at our upcoming Good Folk Fest taking place this Saturday, July 1st, at the Hall River Ballroom in Saxbaha, North Carolina. Head to our site at www.goodfolksonly.org backslash events for tickets. Trey Charles is an alternative indie soul artist who dives into the depths of his soul and invites you into his world with an expressive blend of warm and soulful undertones, profound and powerful lyrics, and emotive crooning, all of which helps you navigate your way through the encompassing experience. Growing up along the East Coast from city to city, Trey has been exposed to a myriad of different cultures. It is from these experiences that he has cultivated a sound of his own, which pays homage to his nomadic upbringing. With hints of avant-garde R&B, modern indie rock, and ambient soul, Charles's honest and thought-provoking music has the ability to make every performance feel like a transformative experience. He has been compared to musicians like Frank Ocean, Moses Sumney, Sampha, and James Blake, to name a few, but this artist has a sound all his own. Trey has acquired many co-signers along his artistic journey, one of which being the world-renowned guitar company D'Angelico Guitars, who he is now endorsed by as an official artist. He has also been nominated for the Best R&B Artist for the Carolina Music Awards and winner of the Virginia's Favorite Award at the Richmond International Film Festival, as well as dubbed the Future of Music at the 2022 NXNE Music Festival in Toronto. Trey has performed in venues all across the U.S., from being featured on CBS and NBC programming to performing at a myriad of festival stages such as Artsplosure Carolina Jubilee, Dominion Energy River Rock, NXNE, Blacktoberfest, the D.C. National Cherry Blossom Festival, Charlotte Shout, and many more. His artistry has a unique way of making any setting intimate and personal. Trey has performed for numerous Creative Morning Sessions, as well as numerous So Far Sounds. He also made his New York debut in 2022 at the legendary Rockwood Music Hall and the renowned Pete's Candy Store to captivated audiences. His lead single, Stressin' music video, amassed 200K plus YouTube streams and gathered major buzz, as well as his debut EP currently, from publications such as NPR, Indie Week, We Are Soul, Iggy Mag, Metal Mag, Wonderland Magazine, Notion Magazine, Rated R&B, and many more. Already after the release of Currently, Charles has been on show lineups with rising talent Devin Gilfillian and world-renowned Tank and the Bangas. I loved this conversation with Trey about community building, finding your people, and making it as an artist in new places. And I'm so excited to see everything Trey does from here. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Lately I've been doing so And actually, Trey, I think that's where I would love to start. Um, We don't usually have any kind of specific agenda, but since this episode will come out right before Good Folk Fest, I would love to hear a little bit in your own words of what are you thinking of bringing and how how are you feeling about joining a festival at Hall River and being a part of this? Uh, I'm super excited. I actually went to Hall River for the first time like um, two months ago, and I was like, this place is beautiful and amazing and it's like super i love the fact that it's just like right there kind of in the middle of nowhere but it brings like this 
all these talented people and then everybody, the whole like community kind of comes out there and just like unplugs. Cause there's like no cell phone reception either, like, apparently. And I feel like everybody's just forced to unplug and be right there and then be present. So I love it. It's really dope. It's probably my, and I've said this this whole time, but it's my favorite venue, I think, of anywhere ever that I've ever been. Um, I think it's just so cool and so representative of like, it is kind of in the middle of nowhere, and yet it has such a storied history of all the people who play there. It feels like the perfect place for something like what we do at Good Folk, of just bringing people together across all these different spaces and places, putting them in run, one room and saying, this is a community now, you know? And they're all good folk. And they're all good folk, exactly. So Trey, welcome to the good folk. We're super excited to have you on that lineup. Um, and you can check out all the action for that July 1st at the Harvard Ballroom. We will link to tickets. And of course, we'll link to Trey's music as well. But I guess that's also a great place to start is could you tell us a little bit about who you are as a musician and how you got started with this kind of work? Okay. Um, I am an alternative uh, soul artist that's kind of like that's the, my easy way of describing it because it's like I, I like all music that kind of like bears my soul. So like anywhere from Muddy Waters to Kurt Cobain, like I felt their soul in what they were singing and what they were talking about. And that's kind of like what I want to represent. I want it to feel like a, not necessarily specific to a genre, but specific to you hearing me express myself and express the soul in it. I definitely feel like I can see those influences in your work and it's two kind of disparate genres, genres but also genres that really work and build on one another um, and always have kind of throughout the cultural canon. So it's really cool to see those inspirations and how would you describe your music in your own words? In my own words, um, I would describe it as, um, I guess that was like the first part all indie like all indie but like soul and r&b and like everything in between there so i used to listen to like uh at one point in my life i used to listen to a lot of um like classical music so like bach was one of my favorite composers and things like that from the like baroque period and i just love the way that the soundscape kind of painted upon itself and then another period i started listening to like old school blues and um then jazz and then uh, I went through my skater days, and I was bumping a lot of uh, a lot of uh, grunge. I'll say yeah, grunge music. And then I went to my my Paramore and Fallout days and all that stuff. So it's just all over the spectrum as far as like the appreciation of uh, expression and of music. So I love the fact that the Folk Fest has Good Folk Fest has like all these different genres, and it's like because all this music is. It's a pre like you can appreciate all of it. You don't have to just be set in one specific genre. Because I think you close yourself off to experiencing all these different stories. I feel really strongly as an artist, I'm not a musician, but I am very much a writer and have been my whole life, that thinking of your work in only one genre can often be so limiting. And when you start combining all of these things, that's almost where the magic happens. And to your point on Good Folk Fest, um, one thing that was really important to us is to showcase well, there's all of these different musicians and styles and artists, and they're all kind of working in the same area too, which most people think of the rural South and they're going to think, yes, folk music, right? And there's so much more and there's such a diverse music scene happening here that it's really cool to be able to showcase that. Yeah, that's, I mean, I really, I think what y'all are doing is is big and I, I really feel like it's going to grow because like, like you said, there is so many artists. Like I just met um, today, River from uh, Sarah Shook and the Disarmers. And I'm just like, 
I love the fact that, you know, we are in the same ecosystem of, like, just art. Like, I'm doing my thing, you're doing your thing, and we're all just here kind of collectively sharing our stuff. So, dope. Ecosystem is such a great way to describe it in that it's not a movement that's limited by one specific genre or product type, right? It, it's this ecosystem where everyone is doing all these different things, and yet they they make the whole together, and that's part of what makes the whole thing work where if you only had people working in one style of music or on one instrument or just vocalists, you wouldn't have this ecosystem of this movement. I think that's part of what makes the triangle so special specifically because there's just so much music and so much art and it's all interconnected here in a really special way. Yeah, no, I I feel like the triangle, I mean, I've lived a lot of different places. Like uh, I definitely am a nomad as far as like when I have roots and everything, but like, I feel like the triangle has been, very similar to like when I'm up in New York or in Philly and something like that. Like I just, I, I see all these different um, subcultures and everything like that. And they're all are like just co-mingling and, and mixing in and, and diving in and diving out. Like you could feel like going to uh, see Americana one day and then you feel like going to see R&B one day and then you go want to see underground rap. And then you want to see like, it's just all these different genres. And I'm like, the triangle has it very it's a lot more accessible than you think it is yes i i think accessibility is so great to describe it because i lived in new york for a little while and i always tell people i'm surrounded by more music here than i ever was anywhere i went to live kind of quote unquote for the arts right all these cities are all these places that you go because you think this is an art space i'm an artist i want to be surrounded by that it's been one of the biggest surprises of my life coming back here and realizing I'm walking out the door and suddenly I'm in the middle of a music festival that I didn't even know what was happening of the arts are surrounding you in a really just, I don't even have the correct words to describe it, but they're, they're just there all the time. It's like they've permeated not only the culture, but also the landscape. Right. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I I definitely feel like it's, uh, it's more of, um, I don't know. It feels like a a need in the South. Like it's like a very like expression, like, people just want to express themselves. So it's like, Oh, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna play a piano. I don't care where I'm doing it. I'm just going to do this versus like a bigger city. I feel like a lot of people are like, they're going there because of the opportunities and they want to make it versus like in areas like this, it's like there's opportunity, but it's also like, I just really love doing this and I just really want to share it with everybody. So I'm just going to do it. And then the community kind of is like, Oh yeah, we want to, we want to see that. So do it. You mentioned, like in the South specifically, this need for expression, which I completely agree with. Do you think part of that has to do right now with the variety of complicated feelings people have about calling this space home and the need to work through those, whether it's feeling like you grew up here and you want to leave, but you don't know how, or coming back and wanting the South to change in ways that it just sometimes doesn't feel like it's ever going to? Yeah. Do you feel that part of that manifests in kind of these expressions of artistic creation? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I feel like, um, that's a really good question too. Uh, I think that, um, yeah, the South just, they really want to, I feel like artists here really have a lot to say because of all the complex things that kind of happen, but are not pushed to the forefront as much as like a a bigger city, like a bigger city. You can go to a bunch of rallies. You can go to a bunch of protests you can go to a bunch of things that kind of rep it's more access to the representation so in the south that like you kind of you kind of have to express it in your own way so it's your it's your way of putting it out and 
it's more of the indiv- on the individual and the artist to express that versus like the the spaces to facilitate it, or it was at one point. And now, places like Good Folk Fest are giving the opportunity for people to see all this and stuff like that because it definitely wasn't a thing in the past. So I agree with that completely growing up. I grew up in North Carolina and as an artist never felt like there was even any possibility of that because I'd never seen someone who was really like a living or working artist here. And a huge part of the mission of what we do is really just wanting to showcase like not only are there artists of all different types and kinds and genres living and working here, but there there have been for a long time. And you don't have to do it by yourself, right? Like you can join part of this community. But is that something that you felt that it's been well, actually, let me backtrack because where is home for you and how did you end up in the triangle? Um, home for me. So like I was saying there, I'm, I'm a nomad. So it's basically the East Coast, like uh, um, grew up in New York, upstate New York, and then uh, came down to North Carolina to like Concord, Charlotte area, then moved to um, Florida, then moved back, then moved to Richmond and then moved back. So it's like just up and down the East coast as far as like, uh, not really, never really had roots anywhere. So I think, uh, I always like to say that like my roots are like the communities that I go to. So when I find these communities, I kind of like always want to go there when I return to the places because that's what feels like home in a sense. Are there any of those specific communities in any of those places that jump out to you as ones that have felt like home? Um, yeah, I think the triangle has definitely, uh, been a very um encouraging and like nourishing place as far as like for art so when i first started started doing music professionally um three years ago four yeah three years ago and that was after a car accident uh i got in a bad car accident in florida um and then like in the wreckage it sounds dramatic but like in the wreckage i was just like um what do I want to do with the rest of my life? Cause I was working a job that I didn't necessarily want to work. And I was just like, this could be over super quick. So I want to at least follow my passion. So then I came back, um, kind of taught myself through YouTube university guitar and, uh, was like, I want to go out and start gigging. So I started booking gigs and then, um, left Charlotte, moved to the triangle, moved to Raleigh first and then pandemic hit everything shut down. And that was a terrible time to start art, but it's, that's when I did it. And, um, yeah, after that, uh, kind of just made a way and figured out how to survive off of that through the pandemic and then, um, moved to Durham and released my project and it's been really received well from everyone in the triangle. So I'm like, this is, this is where it kind of took off. This is where the bird started flying. So. I guess, yeah, triangle, long answer. And has do you feel that all the different places you've lived, because I too am someone who's moved around a lot, also California, North Carolina, South Carolina, New York, I'm like right there with you. Um, when you think about place in your work, do you feel that that's influenced at all or even just the South in general? Um, I definitely think, yeah, all the places that I go and like the experiences that I have kind of play into the expression and um like how i want to express myself through art music has always been like a a easier way for me to talk about my feelings versus just saying it out loud in a conversation or anything like that so um like situations with 
well, the whole EP basically was uh, talking about mental health and everything like that. And Stressner was birthed out of uh, um, the killing of George Floyd and uh, the protests that happened and the pandemic starting. And it was just very stressful time. So I was like, all right, um, how can I express this? Because I don't know how to express it. And then I made my song and that was um, birthed out of those experiences from those places that I lived. So art can often become a language to communicate things that we feel but can't really articulate. And I think music is one of the best ways to do that. When you think about what you want your music to say or what you want people to, actually, let me backtrack again, because I think a huge piece of it is not, not even always about what you want to say, but also is, is the listener willing to listen and to pick up on what you're trying to say. When you think about that mutual relationship of what is it you want to say and what is it you want people to listen to, what are those things for you? You got some real hard-hitting questions. Uh, it's what we do here. You take a minute to think about any of them. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, wow, okay. Um, what I want to say is basically um, I always connect, like I said before, I connected with artists that like kind of bear their souls in a sense, and I, I always connected with artists like that. I connected like with Kid Cudi and people who really talked about like things that were, that they were going through in a sense and that were relatable. So what I want to say through my music is like to share, like I'm also going through these things and you're also going through these things. You can get through it and you're not alone in going through it. You're not the only one going through it. So uh, I think my music kind of, Like as far as people wanting to listen to it, it's like I guess the people don't necessarily go out and um, look for like songs that say stressing. Like I, I, I don't know if anybody wants to do that, but uh, it's a uh, it's a song kind of like oh this is what this is he's talking about. Like this is also what I I go through, and I kind of want to um, listen to it. I want to connect with it. I want to feel a part of something. It's sort of like when you put an artistic product out into the world. I describe it to people as it's like almost reaching just through the ether and waiting for someone to kind of grasp on. Do you feel that you found your yeah. community and found your audience in putting out this new EP, which for the record, by the way, is amazing. I've been obsessed with it ever since I first listened. Thank you. Y'all, you're, you're very kind. I appreciate it. My community, as far as like, have I found it? Uh, I think that's a weird, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I've found it per se. I feel like, um, they're finding me, I mean, I guess in a sense, but it's like, um, I think the people that I meet, like you and Vic are a part of that community now of like people that I really, that have received it. And I feel like kind of have a connection to it. And I feel like through that connection of the music, I have connection with y'all now, like y'all get it. You understand like, this is not a, not, um, and no shade to anybody who makes like bops. Bops are, bops are necessary. But I'm not a I'm not a, a bop maker at this time. So, um, yeah, I think like people who like the music and get the music, I think I have a connection with automatically because it's like, oh, you you kind of understand like this what I'm trying to share. I love the way you reframe it as it's actually my community finding me because we often have this idea and this comes up a lot in this podcast that with community, you're just going to go somewhere that you feel like is right for you and the community piece is just going to happen. Right. Um, you're going to put something out and then people are just, people are just going to find you. But really what it is in my mind is 
this act of kind of the mutual reciprocity thing of you have to be willing to put yourself out there, but people also, you do have to be kind of actively in search of community. I think it's so easy in today's world, especially post pandemic to really just close yourself off from that and say, it's harder to find community. And I don't want to put myself out there to also be known in that way. Right. Um, in a recent conversation we had on the podcast, we were talking about the difference between vulnerability and openness of it's one thing to be open and to say, I'm open to finding community, but it's a whole different thing to be vulnerable, both as an artist to your listeners, but also as a listener to your taking in that artist's vulnerability and, and making kind of assumptions and stereotypes and biases all about them as you listen. And you have to actively fight that sometimes, I think, and really say, I'm going to be vulnerable on both sides. And try to inquire and, and actually do a deeper dive versus just saying, oh, after this, I think I know this person, but like understanding the complexities that you have and the complexity that this person might also have. So it's like, it's not always going to be this and giving people the, the room to grow and the room to not necessarily be who they were yesterday. When you listen to them, they, they could be somebody different. Like that's part of the process of life. So yeah, I don't know if I'm answering anything. I'm just talking. That's exactly what this is. We're just having a conversation, you know, um, you're making me think about the idea too, that community is not, something you find and it's done, but it it's an ecosystem exactly how we started. That is constant. It's ever growing and ever changing. And you're constantly seeing how that shifts and evolves, right? There are people coming in and people coming out. It's not a static thing. And I think music really showcases that. Like every band has all these different tentacles and pieces that are working together. And it doesn't mean it's going to be like that forever, but at least in the moment. Exactly. And uh, yeah, I think it's such a, unfortunate thing that we kind of do and i think that's just i mean life as, as a whole like you start to realize um some of these like micro tendencies that you do to try to stay feel safe and feel um stable like but you kind of put these people in these these positions of like if you change then you are no longer for me which is not necessarily true like if they change they're growing and you're also growing like everybody's going to be continuously growing on this journey and it shouldn't be a a stagnant situation. You always want to improve and that improvement goes through ebbs and flows on a regular basis. So yeah, I'm, I, uh, and I used to really struggle with that. I used to really struggle with like change in a sense, but then I think going through like therapy and, uh, my girlfriend, honestly helping me push me be like, you kind of need to work on these things to, to make it to to enrich your life, and I was like, oh, okay, so that's kind of what happened. It's more of a letting go situation, like the vulnerability thing that you talked about. It's like you have to be vulnerable enough to know that you are not the answer all the time. That's so well said. As an artist, do you think you feel that pressure to hold a bit of that static personality? If if you are working to connect to your listeners through this emotional vulnerability. Do you worry about what if I change or what if I want to switch up my sound or what if people don't like me in 10 years the way they like my sound now? Is that yeah. something you grapple with at all? Um, I guess not as much of the, if they don't like me in 10 years, cause it's like, I have a, I have a select, uh, humble following. So I'm like, oh, I appreciate all y'all. Like if y'all like me in 10 years, you do, if you don't, I get it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I guess I, I haven't got that pressure yet of, uh, feeling that I think we all we all want to be accepted as artists. We all want to be received. We all want to connect. That's the reason why we make the art because 
it's it's our expression. It's our like you said, our vulnerability and putting it out there, putting a piece of us out there to be like, hey, look what I did. Do y'all rock with it? And if someone says no, then it's always gonna be like, ah. But I think it's uh, being able to go inside yourself and have that stability and have that um, that confidence that you know you're not gonna be for everybody, and you're not gonna be for everybody at all times, and just really having that as a mantra. Um, I think that kind of keeps me from thinking on that level of like, they might not like the next one or they might not like the da 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 da. You've mentioned a lot of things thus far in our conversation that feel like you've spent a lot of time doing kind of the inner work, right? Things like therapy or just really sitting with yourself and figuring out what is it that I care about or that I'm trying to communicate. And all of that is a very vulnerable process, but it almost requires that first step of vulnerability with yourself. Is that something that's come easy to you or something that you feel like has influenced your work? Uh, definitely not easy, but uh, has absolutely influenced my work. I feel like um, I feel like early on, I didn't necessarily know what I wanted. I think I, I always loved music, but I didn't necessarily understand what I wanted to share. And then I think going through the situation of like life happening and going through life and having these different experiences now I'm like, oh, I can apply what I love to express about these things that happened to me or these things that um, I want to go, that I've gone through and maybe make a connection with other people. And um, I think, yeah, it's constantly, uh, it's constantly work. And it's interesting how like society has made us think that like artistry is like oh it's easy or it's uh, or relationships are like oh it should be easy it should be natural it should be it shouldn't be come with struggle but like anything that you um care about you're gonna have to work at you know you're gonna kind of have to apply effort and that's on a daily basis because we see in relationships people get complacent people get stagnant and we see sometimes in music like certain people like you're like oh okay they're coming out with the same thing and Maybe they like it, or maybe they're stuck in a stagnant place. Because I know I hear a couple, of, I've heard a couple of uh, interviews of artists talking about their music, and they're like, "Yeah, I kind of feel like you know I'm not necessarily growing, or I had to put this out because I was going through a, a moment of uh, feeling stagnant, so I had to take a break and step away." So I think like that applies on a constant basis of just putting in the effort and putting in the work, the inner work and the um, applying that to your art how do you navigate that in the current arts climate which is so focused on like you want one song to blow up blow up on tiktok right and then you're gonna tease it out for four months and then release it it feels to me that artistry and the landscape of artistry specifically music has changed so much post-pandemic and especially with the rise of social media how do you think about that of i'm someone who's making music and i want to stay true to what i have to say but also you know i gotta pay the bills Exactly. Yeah, I, personally, but I get it. I, you know, you can you can always be like, I think that's the same thing as far as like the growth aspect. Like, it's just because it's not the same way doesn't mean that um, it's bad. You know, you kind of have to use it and navigate it and navigate it the way that you want to navigate it. Like as far as social media and like teasing songs now, like with the TikTok thing, I don't necessarily feel. Like, that is my personal, like, um, 
expression. And I, like, I know it's worked for a lot of people, but I'm not one to, to like right now make songs for TikTok and for people to make sound bites and stuff like that, just because it's like, that's not necessarily what I like, but there are a lot of sound bites on TikTok that I actually really like. And I'm like, Oh word, this is, it's cute. This is clever. It's catchy. But it's just not something that I would do. And I feel like my connection with people is more of like a, uh, intimate performance of like, Hey, this is me sharing this with you. Is this something that you also feel versus like a quick 12 second, um, look at me kind of thing. Yeah. I'm thinking about our, our initial thoughts that we discussed with genre and the ways in which what we're talking about now is so similar and also so different because it's like, on the one hand, you want to find your lane and stick to it, but also you don't want to be stuck there, right? You don't want to be attached to it. You want to find what it is that I feel like you were drawn to and inspired by. And in our conversation with Matt, who I know you know, um, he talked a lot about like finding your obsessions and just following those. But also you want to remain open to growing and to changing and to seeing where life takes you. And to me, so much of that is about this act of just learning how to pay attention, whether it's to the people in your life and the relationships or the things that you're obsessed with or inspired by, or even just like taking a walk and, and being really intentional about what you take in and then letting that seep into your art in a way that art almost becomes a reflection of the world around you, whether that's the people around you, the spaces around you, the places, um, but it's not static, but it is about knowing right. this is what I believe in and I'm secure in that belief, but I'm not chained to it. Yeah. I mean, I love how you said that, like, the effort of paying attention, like, the intentionality of paying attention. I think so many, like, of us on a regular basis, like, unknowingly just let things kind of go by and um, we kind of just, like, go with the motion in a sense. And it's, like, it's hard to not do that, but it's it's also uh, human. And I think that that's... Uh, that's an important part to always apply, like the grace of like, okay, I'm not, I'm not capturing this moment perfectly and using it to apply to a song, to get out there and market and stuff like that. It's like, you're actually experiencing it and you're taking the time to recognize like what it made you feel, um, how it made others around you feel and stuff like that. So I think that, I forgot, what, I'm, I'm going on a rant. Like, what's your question again? I don't even know. I think this is, I think your rant is perfect. And it's making me think that art, I think art under capitalism is such a difficult thing to wrap your head around sometimes. And it feels like art under capitalism becomes a product. And what you're describing is art as an experience, which I think is so beautiful and meaningful and like exactly what most musicians do. If it's not just crafting a song that sounds nice to listen to or that's marketable, but a song that really for the three, four minutes, you're listening to it, you're having this experience and this emotional reaction. That also can be so difficult to navigate when you're like, I have to pay rent. I have to, you know, most, I mean, how many artists are holding down second jobs? I think it's probably almost all of us. Yeah, it's a, it's definitely a tightrope, like, as far as, like, being, because I know some amazing, amazing artists who um, are super talented, but don't necessarily know how to leverage that to live with like to have that as a livelihood and then i know some artists that are kind of have skated by in a sense but they are um living in houses in la and kind of doing the tiktok thing and letting letting that pay for everything so it's not necessarily like a 
a, a deep self-expression, but it is a, a lucrative thing. So like that, that art under capitalism statement, like it is, I feel like that's really hurt. Um, not even hurt. It's just made it harder to find stuff that you really can connect with because of the oversaturation, because people have saw how lucrative this can be and they kind of get sold on the, the lifestyle and the, the imagery of artistry versus like the ex the expression. It's more of, oh, I want to be on that big stage doing that versus I want to let people know how I feel about something. And yeah, I think it is like a, it's a tightrope. Um, and you that's the, like the work that you have to constantly put forth. It's like, and it's okay if you want to do it for monetary gain and kind of like do that that's that's a, a way to do it and i think for me like i'd rather have the connection outweigh the monetary gain it also feels like it prevents a lot of people who might be amazing artists from participating in that because they feel that they don't fit that image or that it's not financially possible and so there's no point in trying and especially the image piece i think is so important and, and huge when it comes to talking about the south and the rural south specifically because when you don't have that representation and you don't have an image or the image that you do have of artistry is not something you feel you align with, then you're like, well, what's the point in trying? I'm never going to be like living in a big mansion in Hollywood or living in a New York penthouse making art. So why do it here? Which is something that I feel like I navigated and it took me a really long time to work out, but I'd be interested to know if you feel like that's something you've thought about in your own life. Um, I mean, I think, I mean, like to piggyback off of that, I kind of kind of go in a different direction. Like the, I think the, in the South, it's like the idea of, well, this music that I'm making is not necessarily seen here or represented here. So it's kind of hard. For, I don't necessarily know where my entry point is versus being in a big city. They have so many genres and so many different subgenres that you can kind of find your niche anywhere. But the ones that in the South, it's kind of, it's, it's getting better, but it has been pretty limited as far as like, um, the subgenres. It's been pretty broad, like R and B, rock, Americana, country, and everything else that's kind of in between there. It's like, um, kind of thrown at all, and it's not necessarily like a. It, it might be alt, but it's kind of a blend of all those things that we were talking about. So I think. One of my issues at first was, as far as like identity, was not necessarily knowing, knowing that I liked a lot of different music, but not knowing how to blend it and where to perform it. Because these spots that I wanted to perform at aren't used to this sound and might not accept accept this sound or receive the sound that I'm trying to say. And um, I think to the to the benefit of social media that that has given a lot more people opportunity to to share it wherever they're at in the world and like we said that community kind of finds them and says oh hey this person is living in north carolina and they're making this amazing uh disco country pop <laughs> and um their community kind of finds them so i think for me it was more of that, like not necessarily knowing where my music would fit in and what lane, where I could find an entry point and um, how to make it sustain my life. 
I think that's so well said. And it also feels like it would be remiss here not to mention the amount of music that has been stolen from people living and working in the South, right? I mean, you can go all the way back to Elvis taking gospel music and making it his own thing to Link Ray being from North Carolina and writing Rumble. And then that influences an entire generation of rock musicians, right? Of Because we don't have those stories told, we're now in this moment that a lot of people think they just didn't exist. And I, it feels like one of our main pieces of work right now as artists in the South, um, whether you choose to take this up or not, I feel like it's definitely been a huge thing for me, but is uncovering some of those stories and saying, I was fooled into this, but how many other people are not, they just have no idea. And I mean, you can look at every rock band that's come and recorded at Muscle Shoals and has stolen the kind of blues sound, Jack White being a huge one. And how do you navigate that as an artist? I mean, not, this is not you specifically, but artists needing to recognize like the roots of where their work is coming from. And, you know, every art builds on other art, but it's been astounding to me the more I dig into it of just how much has been taken without any credit. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I definitely appreciate you talking about it. I mean, I think that it's important for, because everybody's not going to know where everything comes from. Like that's an impossible thing to ask every artist to say, hey, do your homework and know all the lineage of this riff. And it's like, I don't know that. I know I heard something, it inspired me, and I want to do that. But I think that goes back to the beginning of the conversation when we were talking about openness and vulnerability and being open to saying, hey, this is actually where this came from. And being vulnerable enough to say, oh, I didn't know that. That sucks. Let me talk about this more because I wasn't the one. And I, I can take the fault of being like, oh, I wasn't aware of this versus some artists that are like, oh, well, okay. It's like it's kind of helping echo that, oh, I didn't know that it was taken and I want to highlight it. I want people to know that like this song came from here and this song is where it was spot. Just like similar things like um, I was talking about Kurt Cobain earlier, like um, um, uh, Where'd You Sleep Last Night? Is uh, That's exactly a, the song I was thinking about. <laughs> yeah, Bed Belly. And it's just like these, these like a lot of people don't know where that song came from. They know the Kurt version, and then I know further down the line, people know the uh, Kid Cudi version. I don't know if you heard that one. It's a really dope version. But um, yeah, just being able to, like, when you do find out, also talking about it. I think that's the important thing, and I think that's where a lot of people get, like, protective and lazy, in a sense, of just like, eh, whatever. like. It's kind of like this knowledge, is, this music is all, like we were talking about before, it's a story, it's a language. So like, this is what you're studying, literally the folklore, like this is a message. This is something that's gonna carry through time. So if we keep talking about it, we keep telling people about it, it'll help preserve it. And it'll help make sure people don't forget about these other artists that have laid this foundation and paved the way. Because it's absolutely, like imitation is the highest form of flattery. Like. You, you're doing it because you love it, but don't forget that you loved it before you did it. Art can't be consumed in a vacuum, which again feels to me a pathway out of kind of this capitalist production, production model of art in that, you know, you're not just kind of taking something in, but you're allowing yourself to have that experience. And oftentimes that can come with unlearning. Feels in my mind, like that's one of the that art, I think, is our best path forward into where we are in this cultural moment in the South and that a lot of people just don't know things because we haven't seen these stories and they haven't been told. And, you know, 
you're not getting this in a history book in your North Carolina classroom, right? So then when you become an adult and you have access to the internet and you start to find these things out, I think that's a really hard moment for a lot of people and they don't quite know where to go from there. But if art can be a space that opens that conversation, but also holds space to have that conversation. And I think it's so great what you talk about of artists being willing to like engage in that and say, it's so good you learned this thing. Now, now we have to talk about it, right? It feels like we're in this cultural moment, especially kind of launching in 2020, where people uncovered a lot of stuff and said, okay, now I know this, but I don't feel like we've really talked about it yet, especially in the South, that we're just kind of trying to say, well, this happened and we're just going to move on and move forward. Um, I mean, I, I have to even look at today, you know, we're recording, it's Juneteenth. I get my nonprofit job off of work, but how many people are actually engaging with even learning anything about the holiday or what it means? Um, now it's just right. going to become another another Monday off, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And, and it's such a, it's such a slippery slope, I guess, when you're thinking about like, I think it all stemmed from capitalism, like as far as like, this is something that we can use to generate more money, more income, which is necessary, but it's also like, where do you apply the capital that you're acquiring? Like, where is this going? Is it going something that's going to enrich this? Is it going to something that's going to be beneficial to celebrate this holiday as far as like Juneteenth, Cinco de Mayo, um, all these these new holidays that uh, are starting to get recognized that, frankly, weren't necessarily asked to be recognized, but have been acquired by capitalism and kind of used as uh, um, a stepping stone for them, even with um, pride and the amount of money that corporations put into it, but don't necessarily have those core values. It's just like, well, what are we... Like what are we doing with the with the, with the capital that we are getting from this? So, I think, yeah, it's, it, it's going to rely on more artists to actually talk about it because I mean, the artists are the people that that, in a sense, are the vocal. They're the mouthpiece. They're the they're the vocalizers. And I think, like with the what we we're talking about with all these artists kind of popping up and doing the the TikTok and things like that, people see the fame and they see the the lifestyle and they don't necessarily take on the responsibility of, of being the voice. It's not necessarily a champion of, of the voice anymore. And I think that's kind of what I want to avoid. I don't want to necessarily just be somebody who's just up there singing. I want to actually share something, share beliefs, share um, opinion and kind of help versus like just not saying anything. It feels like so much of the marketing is so hollow. Like I don't need to walk into Target and see a shirt with my identity on it, right? I want to know that I can be like safe in my own community. And it's a really odd thing in the South right now to do that because you're walking into Target and you're looking at like pride collections on the shelves right now for June. And also every day I'm waking up to a news bill where something else is being rolled back or another queer community is under attack. And it's like, how do you, how do you even balance those things? And, and I think, at, just like we talked about at the very beginning, art can be a space to process those complicated feelings and, and deal with it by looking at it up close and saying, this is what's happening, but I'm also going to do the work to learn the deeper history behind it and, and hold space for both of those things. Of It can be good that we're moving forward in this direction and making some progress, but also at what cost is now we're just marketing t-shirts for Target to make more money. You know, How are we balancing things of you can't profit off a community without also creating an element of kind of mutual aid and mutual respect, which I don't think we have right now. Yeah, and it's it's sad, honestly, but I think that like 
unfortunately, a lot of the responsibility is going to be put on artists, which is a tough situation. And it's kind of like um, that Spider-Man great power comes great responsibility. It's kind of like, yeah, like, what do you really want to, to do? I mean, I've had this conversation with my girlfriend. I'm talking about like um, a couple years ago, um, I forgot her name, but a singer, a black singer, she got uh, hired to sing at um, Trump's inauguration. And it's just like, yeah, you got hired to do that and you paid you a lot of money, but like Trump doesn't care about you at all or anything that you're, that you represent. So it's like, are you willing to do that to compromise your art or to get the, the, the bag, the capitalism, but, or are you willing to um, do something different, like go to the Super Bowl and um, talk about your culture and your community, like uh, Beyonce or um, J-Lo and Shakira or something like that on those big national fronts and actually say, hey, don't look at me. This is what I'm representing. I don't care if it makes you uncomfortable. This is it. Like, this is what, this is me. So, yeah, it's, 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 it's tough. It's a tough line. And I think it's not for everybody, which is the unfortunate truth of the matter. But I think somebody has to do it. People have to do it. As an artist, what do you hope to represent? Or what do you feel that you want people to know about you through your work? I want people to know that I am just as complex as they are and just as nuanced as they are. So it's like, I am um, a black man uh, and I also am um, a son. Uh, I am a brother. I am uh, like a brother to an older brother that lives in Florida and he has uh, his own beliefs and a a uh, younger brother to uh, a sister. I said older brother, a younger brother. I'm the youngest, I'm the baby. But uh, a younger brother to my sister who lives in Virginia who um, just got married and her and her wife are very happy. And I'm not gonna, like I have intersectionality. There's so much intersectionality that we all have and that we all kind of have to represent and we all kind of have to talk about. And if we don't, it's kind of like, why are we, why are we in this together? We're not in it together. So I don't know. I just be rambling sometimes. So I think that's perfectly said. And I say this all the time here, but it's one of the greatest problems we face in Southern studies right now is that we think of this place as a monolith, right? Um, I mean, Florida and Texas kind of get to be their own things. Half the people don't even consider them part of the South, but you know, there's intersectionality and multiplicity in all of these places and in all of these people. And I mean, Good Folk was born out of my knowing that I might disagree on a lot of things for my family, but also wanting to really try to believe that they're good people. And, and that, that if we can have these conversations and we can hold space for this nuance and this complexity, which we have to do in this region right now, right? Like we can't just expect everybody to all suddenly wake up and agree. That would just be ridiculous. Um, but how can we use art as a pathway to say, I believe there's good in everybody. I believe there's community to be built. There's obviously work to be done, but can we not try to do it together? Or is it not more powerful if we, if we can at least attempt to do it together? It might fail. This might be a huge, horrible experiment and 
<laughs> I might look back in 10 years and be like, wow, look at all this time I wasted. But I feel like right now it feels really both radical and important for me to say that I really do believe there are good folk and, and that if we can have the conversations and work together, somehow there might be a path forward here. I don't know what it I, looks like, but. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. Like, I feel like there are good folk every, everywhere you go. You're going to find people that have different opinions and different um, viewpoints and political viewpoints and orientations and identities. And when you go into these communities, they're like, oh, that's Mark. I like Mark. Oh, that's uh, Susan. Like, I like Susan. Susan's a different person than me, but I still, I like Susan. Susan's a good person. So I think if we lean more, like you said, the good folks, actual concept of like, yo, you're a good person. And just because we think differently doesn't mean that you are any less than who I am and I'm any less than who you are, then we can work together to kind of have a cohabitating ecosystem where we're all happy and we're all respectful of each other's beliefs. It's seeing people as human more than as kind of a stereotype or an association, which is really, really difficult to do. And, and again, not to harp on about art being like the all powerful thing, but I really do think that art and storytelling and music and creative processes, processes can help us to see people as human. It's that mutual relationship of vulnerability. And just like you said, I have to see my art, like my listeners as people as much as they have to see me as a person, as an artist and, and hold nuance and complexity on both sides. Exactly. And I think, yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that unfortunately social media has kind of taken that away a bit of like the human aspect of things. And now with like the whole, we won't get into the AI situation, but like, yeah, it's just the, the, the humanity is, I think that's the, that is the secret sauce. Like that's what makes us, it makes this place interesting. That's what makes this place um, relatable and makes this place bearable. The connection that we can actually have with people versus uh, trying to hold somebody to a category that like an algorithm has said or that people have tried to program into us and stuff like that. So, Are there any particular moments for you as an artist that you feel like you really got at that humanity or that connection was really present? Um... Like as far as shows? As far as shows, as far as fans, as far as emails, it could be anything. Um, I mean, well, this conversation right here, this is a very human conversation. I love it. I appreciate it. Um, well, we appreciate you being here. Yeah. yeah. Conversations are nothing without people to have them with. Yeah. So. Really dope. Honestly, I love things like this because it's like we are actually having a conversation and dialogue about different things like I, I feel like we all come from different backgrounds and different communities and different identities but it's like we can all learn from each other we can all have um opinion and I'm sure there's gonna be discourse somewhere but it doesn't have to be a lack of respect you know so um because we're all we've all got to this point so how are we gonna disrespect somebody who's got to this point like we're all alive we're all living we're all out here in this world so like let's respect the fact that we're all out here in this world and um i guess humanity anytime that hum the biggest time that humanity has come is um every time i guess i do a show i, I kind of meet somebody who tells me like this really i i really vibe with you and your message and your your story and connection. So I think, yeah, I think just 
anytime somebody comes up to me and says they they dug it i was like word it's always such a cool feeling when people tell you they appreciate your art because again it feels half the time i mean honestly most of the time of you're making this thing and just putting it out and it's out there but no one's engaging with it or reacting to it and to hear from someone of I saw a piece of myself in this thing that you made and now we have this connection is like the coolest feeling in the world. Like it really feels like a magic trick half the time. Yeah. And I, I think with the, like the whole, um, I'm not, I told you I wasn't going to talk about the AI thing, but as far as like the whole, uh, perfection standard of like, needing to be the perfect song and the, the perfect pitch and perfect playing of an instrument and the perfect, um, like everything. I'm just like, that doesn't, that seems boring. It doesn't seem like an experience. Like I want to see somebody up there singing hard and voice cracking or having the nuances of their voice of whatever it is, if they're chain smoking cigarettes in the back or if they do nothing but drink water. Like I want to hear their experience. I want to hear their lyrics and their their music through them versus a situation where it's some a, a computer generating something of perfection and perfect tone and everything like that. It's the human side of the artist, which like I love reading about yeah. like, artist routines and processes and all the different things of yeah. you get to kind of break down that very stereotypical image of, oh, you know, artists live in Hollywood, artists live in New York City they're doing this, they're all billionaires and, and I'm not that. So I can't be an artist. But when you actually learn right. about artists, you realize, oh, they're just people too. And if I'm a person and I'm interested in art, I too could do this thing. And I think that that's so cool and so powerful. And we just need to be encouraging more people to realize that artistry doesn't have to look one way. You can do it all of these different ways and, and everyone's an artist in their own right. Exactly. Like there's artists in every single, not just music, but there's artists in anything you do. So it's like, I think art is appreciation. Like you're appreciating somebody for putting themselves out there, creating something. And you're like, Oh, I could probably do that too. Or I, I might not be able to do that. It's really amazing that they were able to do that. I want to, I connect with that. That's like, I feel like that is the basic, the basic uh, thing of humanity. And I feel like the appreciation is the, is the key. Like, even appreciate somebody just going out there doing it. Like, it's a hard thing to do to put yourself out there. Like, not everybody can do it or wants to do it in that way. So, I I, I definitely am an appreciator of anybody who creates because I feel like everybody kind of creates. I agree. I think everyone creates, and it's an appreciation or it's paying attention enough to appreciate that someone's being vulnerable and showing their humanity. And whether you like it or not, like, it's not. It's not easy to put yourself out there in that way. And I, I commend anyone who does it and, and everyone who considers themselves an artist and is willing to claim that term because it's, it's a hard thing to be doing out here. It is. I mean, it's always a taboo when someone says like, oh, I'm an artist. Oh, okay. So you're automatically thinking uh, you might be broke. You might be out there just wild in the world. You might be like, it's just all these different things of saying like, oh, you're an artist. Like, what's the, what do you do type thing? And it's like, everybody's kind of an artist. Like we're all creating something somewhere. Even if you're making pot holders at home, like that's an art. Like if you like to craft, that's art. Like, yeah, 
I'm rambling again, so just stop me. No, I love it. If you could say something to the world about what it means to be an artist that isn't necessarily part of that stereotypical model, what do you think you would say? Or even to other artists about people who are aspiring to go into art. What does it mean to you to be an artist? There's no one way to do it. I think for a long time, I used to think that um, you have to be a certain age and start learning at a certain time, or you have to go to um, school and kind of learn this, or you have to know the musical knowledge of everything, or you have to be super proficient. But I think every artist started off somewhere. Nobody was like naturally just amazing when they first started. So one of the things that uh, I did see on social media is um, you have to be willing to be an artist. You have to, I, think, I forgot how I said it. I think it was like every artist at some point started out cringe. And I was like, I love that. Like, I mean, I know, I know I was cringe a while. So like, I think that's, uh, don't be scared to be cringe. You have to go through that, you know? I'm afraid to even look back at some of my old notebooks and see, see what's been written in there, but you're never gonna figure out what it is you want to say and what feels meaningful to you without really kind of doing that inner work first. And, and that inner work is often cringe and exhausting and difficult, but it's very necessary. And that's growth, that's humanity. Like, we're all gonna be cringe as, as long as we're growing, not trying to stay cringe. And there are judgment-free spaces that'll hold space for that cringe. This is one of them. So <laughs> you just got to find, find your community and be open to it for sure. Trey, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you. And I'm so excited to get to see you in person soon at Good Folk Fest, which we're going to link to everything um, and have all the promo for that. But that is coming up on July 1st at the Hall River Ballroom here in Saxon, North Carolina. And we do have one final question for you that we end all of our podcast with, and I'm going to leave it up to interpretation for how you would like to take it. But that question is, what is it that you believe in? Growth. I believe in growth. I love that. <laughs> I think you've got to always be holding space that, you know, be true in who you are, but don't be stuck. Yeah. In and hold space for that growth because it's a really beautiful thing. Because, I mean, you never know what you might grow into. You know, and it doesn't mean you have, but I believe in it. Like, you have the space for it. It's as exciting as it is terrifying. And I'm excited to get to watch you grow in all the ways in which you do so, because I'm just, you know, obsessed with your music and what you do. And I, I'm sure you've got a long, exciting, full of growth career ahead of you. So we will be here to support in any way that we can. And we're excited to, to get to be a part of that. So I'm glad I'm 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 very excited to meet both of you in person. And you all should come out and see Trey July first, Hall River Ballroom. Trey, for anyone who wants to find your music and follow along, where else can they find you? Um, it, T R E period C H A R L Z on Instagram. That is like the best one I'm at. Um, I'm on all social medias, but that's the one I'm the best at. So, uh, Instagram, um, TreyCharles.com. Trey, period, Charles, at um, uh, Spotify and all the DSPs and everything like that. And the period is very important because uh, I used to not um, pay a lot of attention to detail. 
and I used to go through things a lot and I just um, breeze through them. So that's kind of a reminder for myself to always pay attention to the details. I think that's a perfect note to end on. Pay attention to the details, follow Trey, come get your tickets and come out for Good Folk Fest and we will see you there wherever you are in the world. Have a good day, good night. Thank you for listening. Be good, stay good. Lately I'm doing too much And lately I'm always in a rough And I've been living at a time Lately, lately, lately Lately The flame.